Welcome to the sermon webcast of Good News Lutheran Church of Mount Horeb, Wisconsin. The following sermon was preached on Sunday, October 15th, 2017, on the basis of Romans 3, verses 23 through 26. I wanted to start out this morning by quickly saying thank you. You see, last week we started to really get into the heart of this message found in Romans chapter 3, really not just the heart of this section of God's Word, but really in a lot of ways the heart of the entire Bible, certainly was the heart of what was behind the Lutheran Reformation almost 500 years ago. That message is simply this, that the righteousness of God, God's approval of us, comes to us not through our good works, not through our sincere devotion, not through our self-improvement plans, Rather, that righteousness becomes ours, well, by us doing nothing. That is to say, it comes to us through faith in Jesus Christ. And I wanted to start out by saying thank you this morning, because as I talked about that last week, not a single person got up and left. Not a, person, not a single person stood up and objected. Not a single person took a tomato or really any other form of vegetable and threw it my way just to get me to sit down and shut up. And I, I just really wanted to say thank you for that. If a person doing any of that seems a bit strange or a bit surprising to you, realize that this message from Romans chapter 3 is really the one idea in all of the Bible that more than any other has the ability to make people upset. It can upset people who are not religious at all. It can upset people who are religious, but maybe not Christian. It can upset people who are Christian, people who sit here each and every week hearing the word of God. It can even upset people who stand here each and every week proclaiming the word of God. I'm guessing that by the end of today's sermon, you're going to realize that at one point or another, for one reason or another, it has in fact upset you. In fact, Paul seems to realize this in this section of Romans chapter 3. By the end of the verses that we're going to be talking about today, he has sort of pulled this interesting twist, this interesting play on words. He's still talking about God's approval, but by the end, he's not talking about God's approval in the sense of God's approval of us, but actually our approval of God. Paul seems to recognize that what he is saying in these verses gives people all kinds of reasons to get up and walk out, to stand up and object, and he wants to head off those objections at the pass. Now, if that is in fact the case, then you might say there's sort of a tall order in front of us today. Because as we continue in these verses from Romans chapter 3, far from kind of departing or, or visiting another topic, really we're just taking this same message and we're digging down even deeper. You might say that last week we just kind of looked at the outside of the onion, and this week we're going to pull back all of the different layers and we're going to get right down to the very middle. What is at the heart? What is behind God offering us his approval through faith in Jesus Christ? In a word, it's grace. In a word, it's grace. And as we look at these verses today, we're going to see that grace is the cost of God's approval, both the cost of God's approval of us and also it's the cost of our approval of God. So let's start peeling back those layers. Here's the very first thing that Paul says 
He says, there is no difference for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace. So with that verse, Paul really takes every single human being that has ever lived and puts us all in the same group. He says, there are two important things true of every single one of you. First of all, all of us have sinned and fall short of God's glory. In other words, if we were try to try to give something to God or pay something to God to try and earn his approval, we would always come up short. But then secondly, Paul says that all of us are justified. All of us are given God's approval as a completely free gift. Absolutely no charge. Not 50% off, not buy one, get one free, not 0% down and 0% interest for the first 36 months, but absolutely free of charge. This is Paul viewing God's grace from our perspective. And grace means that from our perspective, God's approval is absolutely free, which works out pretty well because that's exactly what we have to bring to God to try and earn or buy his approval. We have absolutely nothing to bring. And so God gives us his approval for free. Here's the first place where we might be tempted to just sort of stand up and and object or offer our voice in protest. So you're telling me that God's grace is absolutely free. If that's true, then someone could use God's approval as a pretense and excuse to just go out and, and sin as much as they want. If what you're telling me is true, then you could take the worst evil dictator in the history of the world, the worst terrorist in the history of the world, and and they could have God's approval just as much as I do. If what you're telling me is true, then that person who started that rumor about me that everybody thought was so funny, or that person who walked out on my sister and left her raising three children all by herself, or that person who got behind the wheel after drinking too much and killed my friend, that person sitting on the other side of church who's just pretending to be so moral and so godly even though I know the truth about them, that person can have God's approval as much as I can? From my perspective, if if what you're telling me is true, then, then I can't stand up here and say that if you guys want God's approval, you need to come to church this many times and you need to give this certain amount and you need to volunteer this many hours. Really? All of that is true? When we see grace from our perspective, that God's approval costs us absolutely nothing, it's easy to want to object. We don't always approve. But think about the alternative for a second. What if God said that his approval cost us even just a, a little bit? Maybe we make the down payment and then God takes care of the rest. Or God pays the entire bill, but then we're responsible for the tip. Maybe God says, I will do 99%. All that's left to you is one, 1%. That's it. Then would you approve? Well, in a certain sense, you might approve as you think about what other people might have coming to them. But at the same time, you'd be terrified at the thought of what might be coming to you. Even that last 1% would torment you day and night. And God would seem like this terrible monster, and the thought of standing in front of him in judgment would be your worst nightmare. We need grace. We need God's approval to be absolutely free, to cost us 
nothing because it's the only way that we can be absolutely 100% certain that we have it. But what about all those objections? Well, thankfully, Paul has more to say on this subject. He says, all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So in that first part of the verse, we're looking at grace from our perspective. It costs absolutely nothing. But now in the second part of the verse, we're going to look at God's grace from his perspective. And Paul reminds us that the only way something can be given to someone absolutely free of charge is if someone else pays for it. And in the case of God's approval, it's Jesus Christ who makes the payment. Then Paul goes on to explain how this happened, how this works. And he does so in kind of an interesting way. It takes a little bit of explanation. Paul brings up a very important Jewish holiday that was known as the Day of Atonement. In Hebrew, it's known as Yom Kippur. I don't know if you were paying attention at all, but it was just two weeks ago, September 30th, is when it fell this year. And on the Day of Atonement, the day known as Yom Kippur, the high priest had a very important job of going into the very inner room of God's temple and standing before this important chest known as the Ark of the Covenant. Inside that Ark of the Covenant were the Ten Commandments, God's perfect, holy, irrefutable expectations for how he wants people to live. They were stored inside that chest, and then on the top of the Ark of the Covenant was this special cover made out of pure gold, It had angels carved into the top, this cover of the Ark of the Covenant. The high priest on the great day of atonement would go into the most holy place where this Ark was kept, and he would go in with the blood of a goat and the blood of a bull, and he would sprinkle that blood on that cover, all over it, covering that cover in blood. Now, if that sounds a bit strange or confusing to you, here's the message that God was teaching his people. Because of our complete inability to live up to God's expectations as they are written for us in the Ten Commandments, you and I need a cover. You and I need something that shields us from God's righteous anger against our sin, something that spares us from his wrath and instead gives us his approval instead. That's the purpose that that cover served. Furthermore, God was teaching his people that the only way that that cover can protect us is through a payment, through a sacrifice, through the shedding of blood. And so now Paul describes the work of Jesus this way. He says, God has presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. So sacrifice of atonement is kind of the key phrase. And contrary to what we might think, Paul is not saying that Jesus was like the goat or Jesus was like the bull whose blood was shed. The word that Paul uses there is the word that was used to translate the word for cover. Paul is saying Jesus is the cover of the Ark of the Covenant. What that cover symbolically taught God's people in the Old Testament, Jesus accomplished literally. Jesus became the one who shields us from the wrath of God, spares us from his anger, and enables us to receive God's approval instead. And he does so through sacrifice, by shedding his blood on the cross. 
See, we view grace from our perspective, and it costs us absolutely nothing. You view grace from God's perspective, and it costs him absolutely everything. God the Father hands over his own dear son. Jesus hands over his life. Here's the next spot where we might be tempted to stand up and object. The thought of some angry God up in heaven just waiting to shoot his anger and wrath down on us unless he is appeased, and the only way to appease him is through blood and sacrifices? I mean, if God just wants to forgive us, why can't he just forgive us? If God wants to give us his approval, why can't he just do it? All of this business about blood and sacrifices kind of sounds primitive and makes God sound pretty spiteful. When we view grace from God's perspective, that it cost him absolutely everything. We don't always approve. But again, think of the alternative. What if instead of demanding a payment for sin, God simply swept our sins under the rug? What if God was kind of like that kind-hearted 80-year-old grandpa who when the grandkids come over to play and they start getting a little bit wild and a little bit rowdy, he just kind of winks and smiles because he knows they're going home pretty quickly, right? What if, what if God dealt with us that way? Would you approve? Well, on the one hand, you might not be afraid of God anymore, but you wouldn't respect him a whole lot either. God would become sort of like that friend who is just so desperate to be liked by you that he'll put up with anything. He'll do anything you tell him to do. He'll put up with abuse and ridicule. He'll be your doormat completely just because he wants to be your friend so badly. Do you have his approval? Well, sure you do. Does it mean a whole lot to you? Not at all. If God didn't demand a payment for sin, we might say we have God's approval, but that approval would mean absolutely nothing to us. On top of that, our innate sense of justice, our demand that wrongs be righted, wouldn't be satisfied, and we'd look for a way to satisfy it ourselves. When someone opens fire on a crowd of people or ignites a bomb in a building, if we didn't know with absolute confidence that those wrongs were seen and were accounted for by God, we would no doubt take matters into our own hands much more frequently. We need to view grace from God's perspective, that his approval cost him absolutely everything. So from our perspective, God's approval costs absolutely nothing. It's a completely free gift. From God's perspective, it costs him absolutely everything. It costs him his own dear son. Those two together, not one or the other, not 50% of one and 50% of the other, but both of them together, that's God's grace. That's the cost of God's approval. Again, not only his approval of us, but now in turn, our approval of him. Here's how Paul wraps up these verses. He says, God did this. God demonstrated his grace to demonstrate his righteousness, his own righteousness, his own approval, so that so as to be just and the one who justifies faith in Jesus. God's grace has reconciled a seemingly impossible dilemma. How can God be a just and holy God? How can he not for a second lower his standards as it pertains to sin and yet at the very same time freely offer his approval to people through nothing but faith in Jesus? How can he be just 
and also the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. A seemingly irreconcilable dilemma. God reconciled it by grace alone. And in the process, he did something else that seems to be impossible. To take people who are so quick to think they're smarter than God, who are so quick at times to stand up and object, to take all of our objections and to silence them. To replace our doubt and uncertainty with confidence and hope. To take our objections and our protests and replace them with just absolute admiration and awe. Also a seemingly impossible task. Also accomplished by grace alone. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about Good News Lutheran Church, visit www.goodnewslc.org.